Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. But we just need to have a little time to get cleansed, don't we? And that's what it's about. So the sanctification, how often would that have to be done? Well, as often as your feet got dirty. How often is that during the day? It's quite often, isn't it? I know for some of you, it's never and it's never been. Right. As I said, we'll have time for confession at the end of the service. As a Christ follower, it's hard sometimes to take in the information and attitudes you're bombarded with every day. Lots of times it might even make you feel, well, dirty. As someone who has the Spirit of God living in you, this is a normal reaction. In Pastor Mark's teaching today, you'll hear as Jesus tries to illustrate this daily dirtiness to his disciples. Jesus will lay out for them how he has provided the daily cleansing for their souls, just as he's going to provide for the redemption of their souls on the cross. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Romans chapter 12 as he continues his series, Motivational Gifts. Many times throughout the Bible, Jesus would say this, My hour has not yet come. How did he know it was the time for his death? Well, he and the Father were in communion. It's a beautiful thing. Now, I don't see anywhere in the Bible that we're basically given that. And we've talked many times before here. I'm really glad I don't know the date of my death. For most of us, that'd be a hard thing to handle. Really hard. But there are people that I believe that are in such communion with God that they know it's getting close. And there is this communion. Well, obviously, Jesus was in communion with his father. He knew it was there. I can remember my grandpa, who was a pastor and I was young, but I remember one day basically sitting in the front room, and he'd get up every morning and have about an hour in the Word, and he would drink hot water. That was his constitutional for the morning. As a kid, I always thought, this is weird. (laughs) But there was something about him that I knew he knew God. And one day his wife went into the front room, and he was just sitting in his chair, He was in the middle of his devotions and just went to heaven. Now, that's a great picture. I don't know whether he knew it, but there's incredible peace. I love it. You see, do you know that your time is in God's hands? 
He does all things well. You can relax. So relax. Jesus knew it was his time. The disciples still don't get it. But this chapter is chock full of principles. He's about to go to the cross. Really important thing for us to learn. Verse 2. The evening meal was being served. And the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Not only did Jesus know it was the time of his death, notice the second thing Jesus knew. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Now, I won't get started tonight because I'll never finish this gospel of Judas. But you're going to see plenty tonight. It's 100%, 180 degrees away from the Bible. Notice, Judas had been plotting against Jesus for a long time. Finally, the thoughts that Satan had put in him. Notice, it doesn't say here that Jesus prompted Judas. It says that Satan prompted Judas. This wasn't a plan between Jesus and Judas. This was a plan between Satan and Judas against Jesus. So, notice, in one of the Greek words here, it's almost not planted, but threw the idea into Judas. What does that mean? The fiery darts of the enemy. The shield of faith is not up. You see, the battle is always in our minds. This isn't the first time Judas thought about this. The seeds had been planted and were growing. That's why we must capture our thoughts. That's why Corinthians tells us, capture the thought, realize where it came from. Could have stopped, but he didn't. Because of this, well, these thoughts finally begin to grow and they get ripe. Verse 3, another thing that Jesus knew. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew where he came from, heaven. He knew what he had on this earth. All power was his on this earth. By the way, he would pass that to us, that authority. Also notice, he knew where he was going after his death. I think this is... So important for us. What about you? Well, we all kind of know where we came from, don't we? It was a little gleam in mom or dad's eye. That's where we came from. But there's some other things I think we need to understand from this verse. We need to know what we have on this earth. Do you know that you have everything given to you that you need to fulfill the plan of God in your life? Everything. He doesn't leave anything from you. If he asks us to do something, he will equip us to do it. His presence, his power, whatever is needed. You have everything you need. In our weakness, he's strong. You need to understand that. That's why we can't be proud. We have to be humble. Because if he takes his presence from us, we're dead. We're deflated. We're through. Because we can't accomplish it in the flesh. So we need to know what we have on earth... And we need to know where we're going after we die. Stop and think about it. When you die, 
Where are you going? That's a question we don't think about very often, but it's a question that everyone will eventually have to face. Now, not only did Jesus know those three things, and he told those to his disciples, and they were on his mind, so he's going to give them a practical lesson. Look in verse 4. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, you have to read the Bible in the culture where the Bible was written so that we can understand them. In Jesus' days, most people wore open sandals. And they wore them on dirt roads. It was necessary to pretty routinely wash your feet because your feet always got dirty. And if you went to a person's home, if you go to an oriental home today, or and I've been many times overseas to the oriental culture, and if you go into an oriental, back some of the churches, I've spoken in a church in Japan where you walked in and the first thing you do is flip off your shoes and you're in your bare socks. And that's the way I taught. And afterward, they had this big family meal. Great Japanese food. I don't care about taking my shoes off, but I love the meal afterward. But it's culture. It was culture. So on this day, when you would go into a guest house, immediately one of the servants or a slave would come. And because you came in with dirty feet, it was just normal to wash your feet. Well, here Jesus takes the role. And this is unconcerning to the disciples. He takes the role of a servant or slave, and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. And remember, one of those sets of feet is going to be Judas. Why is he doing this? Well, Jesus served his disciples because of his humility and because of his love. See, he was showing them, he was serving them in love. Verse 6, and he came to Simon Peter. Now, we talked about Simon Peter being a prophet. Simon Peter's always going to have a comment about something. The only one that we see has any comment this whole night is who? Pete. Should you expect that? Yes. So he comes to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, remember Peter doesn't get it, and that's okay. We don't often get it. Keep your finger there. Flip back to Luke chapter 22, just for a second. Luke chapter 22. The disciples always seem to struggle with pride. Now, that shouldn't shock us because we struggle with pride. Some of you might even, in your own minds, when we talked about parking down at the school, some of you might have said this. You you think I'm going to park down there? You think I'm going to walk him out? What are you? I don't care if he gives me a pot of coffee. I'm not parking down there. Now, I know some of you are going to come after and say, you know, did my husband tell you that I said that or my wife or whatever? No, the Lord told me that you said that. Because that's kind of the way we are. And if that did get you, we're going to have time for confession afterwards, so it's not a problem. <laughs> We struggle with pride. 
So Jesus is down, and just picture it. Jesus is down, and and he's got the towel wrapped around here, and he's a pair of feet in front of him. And washing feet is not an exciting thing to do. If you've ever had your feet washed by somebody, it's very humbling. So here he is doing this. And while this is going on, before or after, we don't know the whole setting. Hard to put the timing. While Jesus is doing this, Pete makes his statement. You're going to wash mine? In other words, no, you're not going to wash mine. Well, Jesus is trying to say, I'm trying to serve you and show you in love and humility what I'm doing. I'm taking the role. And Jesus didn't say, now, watch this. I'm taking the role of a servant. I'm going to serve you. He's, he's just doing it with humility. And you'll see at the end of this, Jesus says, do you get it? Well, they don't get it. But while he's doing this, this is hard for us, but we're just like the disciples. Don't go like, what's wrong with them disciples? We're very similar. Look in verse 24 of Luke chapter 22. This is while this night is going on. Look what Jesus hears. Also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. This is the disciples. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom and sit on my thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. You see, while all this is going on, what are the disciples doing? They're debating who's the greatest. And Jesus is trying to say, you know, if this would have been a clash, you all failed. Because I'm trying to show you that serving is the key. It's not who's the greatest at all. It's not about this earth. What is awaiting you in heaven is incredible. Get it. So flip back to chapter 13, verse 7. John. Jesus replied to Peter when Peter said to him, You're going to wash my feet? Pete, you do not realize now what I am doing. But later, Peter, you will understand. Did Peter ever understand the lesson of humility? Did he ever learn it? Very much so. Because he wrote about it. Take a look at this in 1 Peter chapter 5. Pete writes, Young men... In the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. So Peter learned the lesson. As we read this passage, as we're all servants at the base core of who we are, 
We need that lesson of humility. So I wrote it like this. Like Peter, we are always, number one, to be learning, especially humility. Maybe you struggle with that. We all do from different degrees. Humbleness, humility, understanding that the only one that makes us special is that God lives in us. It's not my gifts, my talents. It's God who lives in me. Peter goes on in verse 8. No, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered. Aren't you glad that Jesus always have an answer for our stupid comments? (laughs) He did. Notice he didn't say, Pete, you stupid thing, you. (laughs) He just says, no. And as I wash you, you'll have no part with me. Well, here's Pete again. Pete says, well, give me a shower full on, man. Go for it. He doesn't get it. He says, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Then Jesus tells us, and you got to understand this verse because this is, oh, it's so full of great stuff. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, circle these words, we'll be back in a moment, though not every one of you. See, the disciples definitely understood this norm. As I told you, because of the open sandals and the dirt, the disciples' feet, everybody's feet, were always getting dirty. In the morning, they took this incredible bath, but during the day, they didn't need another bath, but they always needed these feet washed. Going into home, you always did that. You didn't take another bath. That was taken care of in the morning. But the feet, because they were on those dirty roads, always needed that to be done. So this was cultural. They understood it. But what Jesus was doing practically, oh, it had a practical application. They knew that. It was no big deal to them other than Jesus was the one doing it. That was the lesson of humility. But but there was a great spiritual application. And I think you'll see this so clear. You see, the foot washing was a picture of a spiritual washing. The disciples knew that foot washing was a physical act, but they didn't understand and maybe didn't till later that this had a spiritual significance. We won't go into the Greek tonight because I'm not a Greek scholar at all, but there's two words in these passages for cleansing that are very different. And let me go through them. First of all, the bath that they would take every day would be equal to salvation spiritually. In other words, right after that, you can just write the word justification. They've been saved, declared by God not guilty. What does that mean? The bath speaks of cleansing received at the time of one's salvation. When a person believes in Jesus Christ... God cleanses us from the penalty of sin, not through water, but through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus was going to say in a moment, I'm going to the cross for you. The event of salvation takes place once. And I am freed from the penalty of sin. What is the penalty of sin? Spiritual death. The wages of sin is death. So as in the morning, I would take a bath... 
spiritually, that was a one-time event of a person being cleansed of their sins, not by water, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. Revelation 1.5, and it says this, And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. So, that daily bath that they would take, that's why Peter says, give me a whole bath. He says to Pete, you don't need a whole bath. You're already clean. You already have a relationship with me, Peter. He wouldn't get the spiritual significance of this till later. But then he says, I am going to wash your feet. Well, what did that mean? Well, the foot bath was equal to sanctification. That's just a biblical term that we use. It's a simple term that just simply means I am being saved. I can say no to the power of sin. I'm not perfect, but I don't have to worry about the penalty of sin anymore. Why? Because God has given me that spiritual bath. And I'm now justified. I'm declared not guilty by the blood of Christ. So this basin, this washing of the feet, was equal to sanctification. And what happened during the day, in a practical way, your feet got dirty. Make sense? So you washed it with water, poured it over there, did that, and Jesus took it, wrapped it up, cleaned his feet. What is that a picture of? Well, that's a picture of sin that attaches itself to us during the day. How many know that it's good to come to church on a Wednesday night in the middle of the week? Now, why is that? Because I need to have a little foot washing at least by the middle of the week. Does that make sense? Because the world that we're around, and we're not saying they're bad people. They are bad people. We were bad people. We know what that is. We're around language and stuff, and and we're not trying to say we're better than them, because without this, we're no better than them. But we just need to have a little time to get cleansed, don't we? And that's what it's about. So the sanctification, how often would that have to be done? Well, as often as your feet got dirty. How often is that during the day? It's quite often, isn't it? I know for some of you, it's never, and it's never been, and (laughs) right. As I said, we'll have time for confession at the end of the service. This sanctification is a lifelong process. Salvation happens once. Sanctification, being separated from the power of sin, being separated under God, happens all, I'm still in that process. I'm maturing today. Um, I don't sin like I used to. The frequency isn't there. All the variety of sin isn't there, but I still sin, don't I? So when I do still sin, then I have to go and understand what the fit washing is. We're clean through the word. First John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one another. And the blood of Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That was for some of you that said, I never need my feet washed. First John 1, 9. This is a daily foot bath. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us, purify us from all unrighteousness. So water in the words often speaks of the word of God. John fifteen three. You are already clean, Jesus said, because of the word I have spoken to you. 
Today, Pastor Mark's teaching was about how Jesus served his disciples and provided an example for you on how to serve. You learn that even though Jesus was only hours from a horrific beating followed by the crucifixion, his focus was on modeling godly leadership to his disciples. Pastor Mark reminded you that this attitude should be every Christ follower's goal. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This brings us to the end of this part of Pastor Mark's teaching about servanthood in action. Next time, he'll be wrapping this teaching up by showing in Scripture while in the middle of Jesus serving his disciples that they were concerned with their personal status in the pecking order of disciples. You'll learn about other attitudes to avoid. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series. That's next time on Lessons for Living. I heard his word made flesh in a hurry.